Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of the Randonista podcast. Uh, I've been teasing this for a little while, which is that I want to do some unique types of content that's not just my regular episodes, and I'll get into what that is in a moment um, when you actually hear the recording itself. But you'll note that, one, this is not me ditching the original podcast. Those episodes are still going to come out. This is just a different different type of content to maybe come out on like off weeks. And you'll hear us talk about Bay State Bike Month. Um, I acknowledge that it is June that I'm putting this out. So I kind of missed the mark on that. But otherwise, the information is completely accurate. So just just ignore that part. Um, Before we dive into the content today, though, I do want to highlight a couple of fun rides because some of them are this weekend and next weekend. So I want to make sure that they get mentioned. The first is the Bike to the Sea event, and that highlights the Northern Strand and the work that that incredible nonprofit has done to extend that path so that it reaches further. You can go out to Revere Beach. You can go all the way out to Nahant. It's really cool. Um, And that is Sunday, June 5th. It starts at 8 a.m. in Everett, and you do need to register, but that registration comes with a t-shirt and a barbecue post-ride. So, Um, Go check that out. The next one is the Kitty Knox Ride, also on Sunday. So if you're in the city versus the suburbs, you can join that ride. Um, It's being led in the morning at different times for different um, mileage. So that's 16, 23, or 36 miles. And you'll get to go around and see uh, a bunch of places that are important to Kitty Knox, who if you don't know or you don't remember the highlight that we did back in February... Catherine Kitty Knox is a biracial woman, cyclist, and a barrier breaker in the 1890s as a bicycling pioneer. The ride will reflect on issues that we're facing today in terms of racial and gender representation in cycling and advocacy. So that should be really interesting. Again, that requires RSVPs, um, which I will have all of the links to everything in the show notes, so I don't have to repeat that every single time. The following Thursday, June 9th, is the annual Bike Bash. Some of you may recall back in the day that used to take place in Davis Square with Red Bones, but that is now taking place in Assembly, and I'm very excited because it's going to be part of a joint production of Mass Bike and Assembly Connect. That is this coming Thursday from 5 to 7 p.m. Again, RSVP is required, but those events tend to have lots of raffles and it's just really exciting time for everybody to get together. June 11th, which is that weekend, you know, the following weekend, uh, is the Pride Ride out of Moakley Park. This is a BCU-led ride, um, but it's also queer-organized and queer-led specifically in support for trans resistance. That's going to meet up at 10 a.m., And finally, um, the last one I want to make sure to highlight is, again, one more shout out to the Cycle 
20MI2, they uh, sent me a little note on how to pronounce that, is happening June 9th through the 11th. So that is Thursday through Saturday in New Bedford. It's going to be really cool. They have You can check out the website. They basically highlight three different neighborhoods of New Bedford with three separate rides. There's going to be lots of activities, evening bike rides, plus there's a ton of other activities happening around New Bedford outside of cycling. So definitely cool to check out. And then the final thing before we hop into today's recording is uh, some of you may have heard me talking about the open memorial, the Riverbend Park, however you want to refer to it, and how it's now open from Saturday through Sunday. Uh, And apparently there is a bill going out saying that they're going to shut down the Saturday version and just have it on Sundays, which would be a real bummer because it is an absolutely wonderful place to go and ride. It's really fun for me when I'm coming back late on Saturday and I'm cutting through there and I can go on Memorial. Um, But in general, it's just really nice to have a nice safe place to go on the weekends. So there is a petition going around and I will put that in the show notes as well. All right. Thank you. Bear with me as this is a new form of content, but I will have a video up later this week so you can also see me and my friend chatting there. Um, But let's dive into this new type of content that I'm calling Big Question. Stinger coming soon. Welcome, everybody. Um, I wanted to, I think I I started hyping this at the beginning of the year. Um, This is something that I've wanted to do for a little while. I've been thinking a lot about it, but this is um, a different type of content. Uh, I have my usual podcast that's not going away. Um, but it's four segments and sometimes it's a lot to gather all those interviews. Sometimes I just want to really deep dive into one specific topic and really give the audience the information that they're seeking. Um, cause as much as great as it is to hear these stories and, and about these different people, sometimes you just have a big question about cycling. So that's what this segment is going to be all about. Um, I don't know if I've settled hundred percent on the term big question, but that's where we are right now. So, uh, before we dive in, I want to introduce my guest who's with me today, Amy Ingalls, Amy, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Hello. Um, this is my first time on a podcast, so I'm very exciting. A little, a little nervous, you know, <laughs> oh, it's going to uh, be great. <laughs> Amy, what do you uh, do? What do you do? I, uh, I work for the city of Medford, um, as a transportation engineer. Um, I have been yeah, working in the transportation engineering and planning field for, I don't know how long, a, a while. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly focusing on uh, bicycle, pedestrian, uh, kind of multimodal types of uh, stuff. But this, this is actually the first time I've had like a just generalist. I'm like just transportation engineer. So it's a little different, um, it's, it's yeah, somewhat different, but it's all the same stuff. We're everywhere. Right. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I asked Amy to be here because she has been so involved in transportation. And part of that is also, uh, becoming a full-time bike commuter. Um, and we talked a little bit about this offline, but today's big question for everybody is how do I start using my bike as my main form of transportation? Um, Or we could also look at this as like, how do I start integrating the use of my bike into my life? So it is currently Bay State Bike Month. It is, well, it's not 
the most beautiful outside right now, but it's, <laughs> um, you know, it's spring, it's starting to get really nice. And on top of that, we are currently in a moment where gas prices have never been higher. Inflation is on the rise. And I think a lot of people are looking for advice on, you know, okay, I have a car and then I have this dusty bike. And I want to be very clear during this discussion. We are not saying that you have to give up your car. That's, you know, cars are valuable. Um, sometimes I wish I had one so I could like drive out to New Hampshire and go camping or something. But, um, what we're talking about today is really how to use that bike that maybe has been sitting in your garage for a while, or maybe you just take out a couple times a season and start using it for those smaller trips, those, um, last mile trips or anything that's within like two miles of your house, going to the grocery store, going to wherever. Um, so that, that is our big question today. And we're going to dive in deeper into the specifics of each of that, but I want to start there. Amy, um, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about how you use your bike and we can use ourselves as examples here? Yeah, sure. No, I'm glad that you, <clears throat> that you made the point about, um, it not having to be, uh, biking to work or not having to be all or nothing. Like just cause you want to start biking <clears throat> for transportation doesn't mean that, um, yeah, that you have to get rid of your car or that, you know, you have to bike to work every day. Like it's not an all or nothing thing, you know, um, you can start small and that's probably a good idea, honestly. Um, cause it, you're going to learn a lot. There's a lot of things that, you know, you do by kind of trial and error that are like specific to what works for you, uh, particularly with clothing in different types of weather. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is a wide variety of, uh, of things work for, for different people, you know, and there's really no way to know that until you just start trying stuff. Um, and of course then there's, you know, um, you know, what is, what is the other end of your trip look, look, look like? Do you have showers? Do you have somewhere to put a bag? All these, a lot of different factors. So, um, yeah, it takes, it takes some time to really get it perfect and maybe never perfect, but get it, <laughs> get it where it works most of the time. Yeah. I think, um, you gave us the perfect into, um, basically how we're going to break down each of these questions or how we're going to break down this big question, I should say. So, you know, we talked a lot about, um, gas prices, all of this Boston is famous for its congestion. Like I think we top lists for worst drivers and worst congestion outside of like maybe LA. Um, so when, worse, and it used to be too now, I yeah. think the drivers are worse. Like people are just angry or something. I don't know. It's, yeah. It feels- especially after, you know, <laughs> the pandemic, everybody was trying to get their own space. Maybe they didn't really want to take the bus or wear a mask on the train, whatever it is. Um, but that's where the bike can be a really great solution. So let's talk about the first concern that we hear a lot, um, when it comes to riding our bike. And I think the, the number one concern that we hear from most people is like, my car's convenient. Um, I have to carry things. I have kids, I have groceries. I have whatever the thing is that I'm grabbing. So let's talk a little bit about what what you're actually capable of, you know, by using a car instead of a bike. And in this specific scenario, you can, of course, also, um, you know, we could talk about getting some sort of, uh, replacement, like a, an e-bike or a cargo bike or something, but you you don't even have to go that far. So I'm gonna let you talk for a little bit. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, I think, I mean, the first thing to do is like decide, what your needs are and which trips you're going to be taking by bike. Again, it doesn't have to be work, but it could be. Um, 
It could just be, you know, going to see your friends. It could be, you know, going grocery shopping. You have to, uh, I guess, set some parameters for yourself. Like how far am I willing to go? Um, Am I willing to, you know, carry stuff with me? Am I willing to bike in the rain? You know, um, all these lots of different questions. Am I willing to bike in the winter? Um, (laughs) Am I I willing to, you know, maybe show up sweaty sometimes in the summertime? Um, These are all kind of questions that, you know, it just could be yes or no, and that's fine for you, but you have to ask them of yourself and try to figure out uh, a game plan. So um, yeah, so you mentioned carrying things. It can, it can be difficult sometimes uh, for especially oddly shaped items, but um, I, I think for most people that that's kind of the exception, not the rule. Like most of the time we're just like, especially if we're going to work, we're like, okay, I'm packing a lunch and like, you know, maybe like an extra layer if my office is cold or like, I don't know, change of clothes for after work for the gym or something maybe, or like meeting friends. Not that much stuff though, right? Like, hang on, my pizza's here. All right. And we are back from our quick little pizza break. Apologies, everybody. Um, Not that it's going to matter to you because that will get cut out for the most part, um, except for maybe a couple of clips of me eating because it's just funny. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so we were talking about how to carry stuff on our bike and Amy made excellent points about, um, you know, thinking, really thinking through. And I, I, I say this a lot, actually, when I'm teaching people or talking to people about biking is like, it's very personal. It's very personal to you. And you should be choosing things based on what you need and you want. Um, and by doing so when someone says what, you know, what kind of bike should I get? My first response is always, well, what are you going to do with it? So I think that's, that's a very valuable point. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about I sorry, my cat's for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you think about, you know, what, Kind of stuff you need to carry this is an important issue um most of most of the time it's you know smaller stuff not heavy stuff so uh you actually have a lot of options a lot of people just use the good old backpack you know and that works fine for them and i did that for quite some time um and then i think i ended up doing the messenger bag for quite a bit because it looked cooler but essentially yeah. yeah it's on my back right um at some point i was like you know what this is hurting me <laughs> it's heavy not, and it's sweaty yeah enough. yeah yeah um and so, yeah, so I was like, you know, I'm going to get some of those bike bags I see people have, the panniers. I think you're supposed to say that some really fancy French way, but I don't, I'm not, I don't know how to say, pronounce it right. So I'm just going to say it like that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but they're amazing. But those also, even those come in lots of different types. Um, there's the kind that I have. I have two, uh, are we allowed to say brand names on here? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I have two Ortliebs, which have been one of the best purchases I've ever made in my life. Uh, they're not especially attractive. They're just big black bags, but like they are waterproof and they very much mean it. And they're rugged. They're great. Uh, you can fit a lot of stuff in them. Um, mm-hmm. I have two. Often you just use one, but um, it's good to have the both of them for grocery shopping or something like that or bike camping. Um, mm-hmm. That's but, another uh, That's another discussion for another day. Oh yeah, though. that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I don't have a lot of experience with that, but, but yeah, they're great. The one downside to the that type of um bag though is that it's literally just a big old bucket there's no pockets there's no zipper there's nothing it just is like a bottomless pit in there so like you so what I actually have been perfecting I think the last few years is like like smaller bags in that bag like you know maybe like a little bag of like toiletry stuff you know like I tend to carry lotion a lot because I have dry skin so 
you know, I have a little bag that has like my lotion and my chapstick and like, I don't know, a bunch of other stuff. Um, and I put that in there and then, you know, uh, I, don't I have like people... a little tool bag that's put in there. I don't think that people... you can find your stuff. Yeah. I don't think people talk enough about, um, how to organize things. I'm yeah. so bad at it. And then I learn Art? about things like just put things in another little bag and then you have it all. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so genius. Uh, see, now they make, they make panniers too, that have like pockets and like little places to stick stuff like a laptop or like your phone or whatever. And some of them actually just look like bags and they, you can put on your back. Um, you know, when you're done biking, which is yeah. amazing. I've never owned one of those, but I've definitely looked at some and thought mm-hmm. about it. Um, I may end up getting one sometime and those tend to look a little nicer too. And the good thing about those, another thing that is about the Orleaves is that is less than awesome is that carrying them when they're not on a bike is a little awkward. Mm-hmm. I have a shoulder it's like a little hook. Yeah. yeah. It's just the balance is weird. Um, they're great on the bike. Like they do not come off, but on your body, it just feels a little funky. It's not great to wear for a long time. Um, but yeah, they have now some that like turn into backpacks or something that are, that look cool. And like, yeah, they're much easier to carry. Um, so yeah, if you're biking to like a commuter rail station or something, and then you have to like do a bunch of transit stuff, uh, to get where you're going, like maybe one of those is a better choice than, you know, the Orly big bucket. (laughs) Um, can I add to this list? Mm, Yes. So, uh, two initial thoughts lead, you know, coming out of what you just said. One is that if you do want to go the pannier route, or paneer, however you're supposed to say it. Um, <laughs> you do need a rack that will, uh, correct. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, fit that, um, yeah. accommodate that. Uh, so, yeah. you know, and that's something any bike shop will be able to tell you, uh, always and most use, are like adjustable too. Yeah. Use those resources. Bike shop. People love to talk about bikes and biking things. <laughs> for free. Um, don't abuse it, but you can definitely go in and talk to them about that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing I was going to say, you, you mentioned this a couple of times and I'll probably, uh, have another topic in the near future about like how to look cute on your bike. Um, cause that's important to people. I actually am a huge advocate of the bike basket. It's just like a mm-hmm. front basket that you can put on. That's what I put on my commuter bike. It's great because Robertson with those, the front basket. Yeah. Basically always had one as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jess Robertson is a great example of looking cute on a bike. Um, but she, yeah. So my commuter bike, my little single speed has just the front basket. It's great. Cause you, it's just always there. You can always throw stuff in it. They make bags that fit inside so that if you needed to contain stuff, you could do that as well. Um, but it's just a really easy option for that kind of thing. Uh, the other thing you just have to get used to is just how the weight is situated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on my touring bike, because I use it for not just, um, you know, touring out in the world and camping. I also use it just around everywhere. It has like a, I have like a big saddle bag. They make like, mm-hmm. you know, um, swift inner industries, uh, and Caradice, I think is the name of the other one. They make kind of like a big bag that can just sit on the back of the bike and it's attached on, and it's just always there when I need to put something in it. Um, and you know, that is to say, I, Amy already talked about this, but 
it just figure out what works for you. Borrow bags. I borrowed camping bags the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to try things, uh, use what you already have. I have a ton of backpacks. For some reason, I have like too many backpacks and I still <laughs> want to buy more, um, but figure out to give out it. I know stuff, right? right. Those little, like, like junky ba- uh, backpacks. It's just like a, a sack with like a couple strings. I have so many of those. Oh, I have so many of those too. Um, and then I have like back that I've got from like jobs. I have this really nice backpack I got <laughs> from Pegasus systems that like, I don't use out in the world, but it's great for traveling. Cause it's got all the pockets and all the things that holds a lot of stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah. So all that is to say that like, there's lots of ways to do it. Um, that's always the big one that comes up for me is people are like, well, I have to go to the grocery store. Well, maybe, the adjustment that you need to make. And I, I understand people with kids and stuff like that. We're not necessarily saying every single person has to do this. We're just trying to come up with ways to help you think past what you have now, but maybe you just take shorter trips and you go more often. Uh, mm-hmm. when I go to the grocery store, uh, I might just fill up like a really big backpack. Um, and it lasts me for a week, maybe two weeks. Cause I'm single, but like not, or a single human, I should say, but like, um, you know, just think about reworking how much you buy at the grocery store and maybe it will help you cut down on buying more than you need in a single go. So who knows? Mm-hmm. It could be really beneficial for that. The flip side of that too, if you have kids, you don't necessarily have to run out and get that e-bike. Um, you know, there are a lot of seats that fit on the front of the bike. If you have one kid, they have the tagalons on the back where you can, you know, add a little bar to the back of your seat and the kid can sit there as they grow. Um, trailers. But, yeah. Trailers, trailers mm-hmm. are great and you can put groceries in them. There's a lot of options that you can think about. So we're just, yeah. you know, looking to open people's minds to the, the options and the possibilities. Um, but as we move through this list of Oh, well, I have concerns about doing this. I think you already hit on this next one, uh, but let's talk through how to address it, which is weather (laughs) and getting too sweaty when we're riding. So let's say it's winter and it's really cold and you're afraid of freezing to death. And then it's summer and you're like, oh my God, I'm showing up just like drenched every single day. How do we kind of cope with those things? Yeah, this is a big one for me. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. just going to go out out and say it like, I'm a sweater. I sweat a lot. <laughs> Same. This is uh, a sweat positive podcast. <laughs> I am an absolute sweater. It's really gross. Continue. <laughs> my bicycle cup. Yep. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I actually, um, my hair is long now because of the pandemic and I've been home a lot and not commuting to work like I used to, but when I was commuting, literally the reason I cut my hair short is so that I didn't just have my hair in a gross wet ponytail constantly. Um, my hair could dry if it was short and it could still look cute. So, uh, yeah. that that's a hundred percent true. That's why I did that. <laughs> so I used to live in Florida, uh, mm-hmm. as you know, um, and I had a pixie cut the entire time for that very specific reason. Cause I was like, I'm just going to have helmet hair. Like I have really fine hair. just like, if you put something on top of it, like all the curl comes, everything comes out and it's just like a flat. Ugh. And yeah. so I was like, the only thing I can do is pixie cut. And I'm thankful that I actually can do the short hair thing and it looks, it looks good. So I wore that for yeah years. Uh, it was great. And yeah, pandemic threw it all out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So you gotta, this is a lot of trial and error for sure. Cause your body, you don't necessarily know what your body does in lots of different temperatures. And we happen to live somewhere that has a lot of different temperatures mm-hmm. that can change the day. So, um, I tend to bring different stuff with me. 
especially in the kind of in-between months like we have now in the spring. Um, Which also goes back to that conversation about carrying things. Yeah. You have a mode for carrying things. You can bring layers with you. And you can't, so um, in the kind of early winter when it's like like a little above freezing, one thing that I started doing this um, this year. So I actually had to change change it up a little bit with my um, cold weather commute this year. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, because I am biking out to Medford now. So yeah, so I'm so biking to, to Medford, uh, particularly in the winter. Um, it's about eight miles one way for me from Brookline, um, which is definitely enough time to get pretty warm, right? My uh, previous commute was <clears throat> a little over three miles. And I found that I would just basically barely get warm, like right as I was finishing. Um, so, you know, you have to dress accordingly. Um, so as I said, I'm, I'm a sweaty person and I heat up a lot when I am active. So I know this, so I know that I need to have enough to keep me warm, um, you know, and not dangerous cold, but like having some airflow on me probably, unless it's like very, very, very cold. Like, and when I say now, very cold, what do you, yeah, below you 20, below, below 20, 20, right? That's my cutoff too. I try to explain this to people and I understand that it's scary, or maybe you grew up in an area. Well, you grew up in Florida, right? In Florida, <laughs> Florida <laughs> originally. Yeah. You went to Boston, yeah. back to Florida, and then Boston again. Yes. But you, it's original. very. <laughs> but my point being that um, once you start getting out there, like I, you just don't know until you really feel it. And I remember my. I think I've said this before. Um, I don't remember, but my first winter that I actually commuted leading up to that point, I'd been bike commuting and riding a lot for a couple of years. And people would say, Oh, do you, do you ride through the winter? And I'd be like, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, I, I value my life too much. And then once I actually did it, I was like, the days that actually gets below 20 degrees is very rare. And you can, again, we're okay with you not riding in extreme temperatures you can work your way uh, yeah. up to that kind of stuff i cut it off at the at the single digits i don't mm-hmm. like on those days because i haven't been able to find a way that i feel even a little bit comfortable mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um it hurts my eyes like it hurts my skin mm-hmm. yeah it's too much but i have to put ski happens. goggles on yeah but then i can't see very well and uh, yeah mm-hmm. it just isn't it's not great anyway so, yeah <laughs> so but, yeah 20 and above is like is good um and one thing i did um so yeah, I started my job in September. So uh, I kind of got the whole, like get it ramping up to winter uh, in the early winter, like early December when it starts, it's kind of like hovering around freezing. Um, I was still like, you know, testing out what it would feel like to like bike eight miles to work, like, you know, when it's just above freezing. And so I would actually, uh, my hands actually have pretty bad circulation aside from, you know, me being heating up very much, like my hands just get cold easily. So I brought two different pairs of gloves every day. I would start depending on, I don't know how, what, how cold it seemed like out there. I would start probably with my bigger gloves on. Um, I like my lobster mitts, mm-hmm. not sexy, but very, very useful. Um, winter biking, it, winter biking I, is where I, oh, sorry. I mean, no, I would switch to the lighter pair sometimes, you know, I'd get like halfway through my, my bike ride, even like get to like the big hill. And I'm like, I am sweating so much. I'm going to downgrade these um, these gloves, you know, but so then that goes back to the whole carrying things. I wouldn't put that stuff in my pannier. Most of the time I would stuff it in my purse, which I have on my body. That way I could quickly do it at like a red light or something, not have to like Mm -hmm. pull over and, you know, go into the bag. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I was just going to say, um, winter cycling, but I do certain things where I try to, I try to maintain a little bit of style depending the day. Um, I let my <laughs> legs get really cold usually, but there, I make a lot of exceptions for mm-hmm. comfort in the winter time, it's, but it's tough. Yeah. I don't, I don't look cute in the winter on my bike. I don't think most of the time, especially during the real world cold. Cause yeah, I just got like a big jacket on that you can't, you know, mm-hmm. see any shapes from <laughs> <laughs> it's purple, which is nice. I like purple. Um, but yeah, but I've got like a, I use a buff on my, over my ears again, unless it's below 20, it's just like a regular cotton buff. It's not super warm. Cause mm-hmm. I just get hot there. And so I just want them covered. That's all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, doesn't match anything. It's like bright blue or like yellow or whatever. Like doesn't match anything. It looks, it's like sporty kind of, you know, but it, whatever it works, it makes me comfortable. I'm mm-hmm. not going like, to wear it into work. As soon as I get off the bike, I take it off. <laughs> yeah. I also, yeah. um, so the flip side of that, you know, you want to make sure you're warming up the winter. Um, the flip side of that is maybe just bringing like a clean outfit in the summer, but I also, and don't at me, but like, sometimes you just gotta get used to getting sweaty. Like I'll just wear like a cute dress that will, you know, not be stinky when I get there. And then I just let it kind of go the sweat spots or something or yeah, yeah. I use fabrics that like the shirt I'm wearing actually right now, it's a really cute, like it's a loft and loft Taylor, whatever, and Taylor loft, whatever. Um, you can't tell when I sweat in this. So if I wear it and it's a little sweaty and I'm drying off, like, just don't hug me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that was honestly what I eventually, when I was working down in Florida, just had to give into it. Um, I did start off like, yeah, just biking in my gym clothes or whatever, and then getting to work and trying to like, you know, get myself together. But I would find that, you know, it's very hot in Florida. If you, <laughs> if you don't know. I've been to Florida, but like, you have no idea how much I was sweating by the time I got to work. It was about four miles, oh. but it was like, like 85 in the morning, plus like all, like all the humidity. And so I was just mm-hmm. like, like literally like pouring sweat. And like, when I would try to put them on my nice clothes, like I was still sweating. I'm like, now I don't, this is just, this is stupid. And so yeah. eventually I was just like, I'm just going to get breathable materials. I'm going to, mm. you know, put on like a sundress or something. Like I'll put on cardigan when I get to work or whatever. So I'm not like, Hey, everything, but like, <laughs> yeah, we're as little as possible basically. Uh, and like without offending anyone, you know, um, or like breaking the dress code or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and just deal with it. Just fucking deal with it. My love curse. <laughs> um, yes. And cool. you know, <laughs> we're here to try and we're here to try and bring people in, but Sometimes yeah. just deal sometimes, with it. Sometimes just deal you with just it. deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that yeah. leads us yeah. to yeah. You have to give into the sweat and just be like, you know what? I'm here and own it. Yeah. That I'm leads us. Yeah. <laughs> that <right>. leads us. <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut that whole segment every time I say that. <laughs> Do you have anything else? No. Okay. <laughs> I think part of the problem is I moved the video and so I couldn't actually see you because I was trying to look at the notes. Oh, okay. So I kept trying it. Anyway, now for our last part. Um, technically, there's two last questions, uh, but this is our last big, um, you know, concern. And I'm sure there are other concerns that come up for people, but this is the big one I still want to address, which is 
riding on the road is too dangerous. Um, and I probably shouldn't say that. So like, oh, oh, damsel in distress. I can't believe you're saying that because it's real. Cars are dangerous and it can be very difficult. If you're lucky, you can have trips that are just on the river or on paths. So you don't have to be around the cars, but I don't want it to be your excuse for not riding. It might just be that you need to plan a route that's a little bit better for you or, um, you know, practice being in that environment, but go ahead, Amy, give me your thoughts on that. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to say, a lot to say there. Uh, <laughs> and we're, we have, you know, like five plus minutes, maybe yeah, to talk yeah. about this, but so. <laughs> I really want to say, but part of it definitely is getting used to being out there and getting used to honestly like you have to learn how to bike defensively if you're going to bike in the road um this is something i've learned over the years i've now been bike commuting on a regular basis for about 15 years so um yeah i've learned some things and i've never been hit by a car so take that with you uh that's me knocking on wood for both of us (laughs) it works um but yeah Honestly, like it's, it sucks that we have to like to to do this and be like razor sharp focus all the time and bike defensively and anticipate drivers doing crazy things, but it's also the reality. Um, And I say that as a safety advocate, like, you know, it shouldn't be up to us, but like the reality of the situation is that it is a lot of the time we are the ones looking out for our own safety and that sucks, Mm -hmm. but it's real. Uh, (laughs) So Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of different ways you can do that. A lot of it is with lane positioning, honestly, like I'm constantly trying to put myself somewhere if I'm not in a bike lane, of course, um, or maybe I'm, maybe there's a bike lane, but I'm constantly thinking about where I am in relation to the cars and even, and the pedestrians making sure that as many people can see me as possible. I don't want to be in someone's blind spot. I don't want to be like, you know, creeping around a car, like on the right. And then there's a pedestrian in front of me, like. I will like stand up like this on my bike. I will do whatever I can do to like make sure that people can see me and I can see them. Because if you they just know you're there, that's half the battle. You know what I mean? Um, yes. And one thing I've learned actually in the most in uh, the couple things I've learned in the, the last few years is like one, I'm I'm slow. I've slowed down. Um, not because I'm like oh I'm getting old and I can't ride anymore. No, but because <laughs> but because. Uh, it just feels less stressful, honestly, and a little safer. Like our biz, our city is busy. There are people everywhere, like pedestrians, you know, scooters now, like all these different things, you know, competing for the same space. Like I need to be able to react to this stuff. Like it's not who, it's not about whose fault it is. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be doing the right thing, but I still end up like colliding with a pedestrian. Like that scares the crap out of me. I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to slow down. I mean, I'm not going crazy slow. I'm still... I don't know. I would guess probably like around 15 miles per hour is around, you know, 12 to 15 is about where I yeah. stay. You're still uh, going faster than if you walked. So, <laughs> yeah. And like I pass people, but some people pass me too. You know, like I ride a upright three speed right now. Uh, I'm not the fastest person out there partially because of that. <laughs> um, but I do still pass people and I, you know, pass people on blue bikes a lot. Um, blue bikes mm-hmm. are slow. They're just, um, but yeah, people, you know, on their road bikes, like pass me often as well. And that's fine. Um, the other big thing that I've learned in the last few years is like, you're going to, yeah, you're going to encounter angry motorists or like motorists who don't 
care about you or like even know that you're there Mm -hmm. uh, and just like completely neglectful of their duties as a driver. And it's going to make you angry. Like it makes me very angry. Um, But I'm not saying that you shouldn't put that anger, it shouldn't feel that anger or put it somewhere and use it for good things. But like when I'm out there in the moment, I try not to get angry and Mm -hmm. yell at them because one, it doesn't work. It doesn't make them say, Ooh, doesn't like, do anything. almost ever there are they like, I'm so sorry. Like once in a while, usually they're like, and they just yell at you back, but it makes, it elevates my mood and makes you know, elevates not the right word way to say it, but it, it, it makes me feel more angry when I do it because they don't, they react badly. And then I'm agitated. And then I feel unsafe because I'm agitated and I'm not paying attention and I'm road rage mm-hmm. and like, that's dangerous for me. So I try <clears throat> really hard. <laughs> Sometimes it's very hard to like, not feel that anger uh at its highest burning point I guess yeah. when I'm on the road yeah That's and I, yeah <laughs> and I I I'll add to that too because I definitely have that problem and then it like ruins your whole morning because you're so yeah. mad at that car like it's it's hard to release but hard. it's good to release usually my annoyance is I backed off I slowed down and they took that mm-hmm. as a, a an opening for them to go and I'm like no I did that because I didn't want you to run me over. And so I, you know, have kept myself safe, but then the car has become like a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, well, I've slowed down. So they think they can go, but I slowed down because I didn't think they would stop. It's a whole thing. hundred yeah. percent. Um, but it's that, not an easy thing to do. I struggle with it literally every day. Um, it does make me happier. Yeah. But the, the other thing I wanted to say, cause I, I'm thinking back on my tone when I opened this concern, I want to be really clear about what that tone meant. Uh, just, just hear me out for a moment. And it's that I hate people kind of that ends up being their barrier. I understand why it's a barrier and I understand why it's scary, but I don't want it to be dismissed. Like, Oh, I can never do that. It's just too dangerous. Like I just, I want people to give it a chance, ride with a friend. You don't have to go out and do it solo. Um, you know, a lot of us learn to ride with friends. Maybe it's going to a group ride. Maybe it's taking your bike just to a path and riding for a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I have a whole segment of my podcast dedicated to taking friends on, you know, routes around the city and showing them where it is safe for them to ride. Cause maybe they didn't know there was a path that cuts through in this area that can take you to a really beautiful place or fresh protected lanes that you can connect with to get to your work. Um, so I just, I just want to say that the reason I get frustrated is because when I hear that, what I'm hearing is just excuses and you don't, if you don't want to ride or you don't think we'll fit into your life, I understand that I'll never convince you of it, but I don't want you to, you know, have these barriers in your mind because a lot of times it's that fear of the unknown that's keeping you from riding. Uh, and there's a lot of places that you can ride safely and potentially just away from cars. Um, 80% of my commute is away from cars. You're lucky. Mine's not, but (laughs) oh well, I live right next to the river, so that helps. That's a that's a somewhat a personal choice. Partially mm-hmm. for me, it's because there's just not a path that goes that way. Like that yeah. I can, yeah, just whatever, for whatever reason, they tend to kind of spoke out from the city, mm-hmm. uh, the separate paths. But anyway, <clears throat> but yeah, that's part of, that's part of the personal choice and like the experience that you'll need to 
have and you know to think about I guess um like is it important for me to like be away from cars as much as possible will I go out of my way a little bit to do that maybe Mm -hmm. the answer is yes maybe for me I'd rather be direct and like you know especially since I'm biking eight miles like I want to be out there all day yeah Uh, I don't go around if that if I will on the way home. I won't on the way there. If I'm trying to get somewhere, I just go whatever is fastest at all costs. Um, To ask yourself. And I'm glad that you said something about you don't want it to be the barrier. Like the more you're on your bike, the more comfortable you're going to feel. Um, in in the more different types of situations, groups by yourself, whatever with cars, without, um, and the more you're on your bike, the more the more people are on their bikes, you know, like there's definitely a safety in numbers thing. That is a real thing. So that's just one more person who's on a bike. I all safer. I am so glad you said that. Cause I was thinking that in my head and I forgot <laughs> to actually say it. Yes. <laughs> if we can get you out there and start riding every extra person on the road makes it safer for everyone else. Because if it's a, if it's a thing where you're just seeing bikes all the time, that shifts people's mentality. Oh, I should expect to see bikes because I always see bikes through here. Oh, there's a whole group of them, not just one person. I need to give them a little more space, even though you should give one person a lot of space. Um, (laughs) you know, all of those things help every extra person we have is another reason that we can advocate for another protected lane. Um, you know, whatever the case may be. So yes, a hundred percent. Yes. Now to wrap up, (laughs) First thing I'll say, and then we'll get to this very last question to wrap up for today is one of the things I talk about it a lot, but it sometimes doesn't get talked about enough when people are talking about, Oh, gas prices. Oh, I have to carry things. Oh, the weather. Oh, the whatever. I personally just love being outside. I was riding on the river today, coming home. It's kind of misty out. It's maybe like barely 60 degrees, but it's 60 degrees. Not that cold. I had a little jacket on. Um, and I was just so glad to not be sitting in a car at a light or crammed in traffic on Sturro as I'm like going by all of these cars. It just, it's very satisfying to me. I don't have to worry about finding street parking. I don't, it takes away a lot of these stresses that I think come with car ownership. Um, and again, I'm not saying you have to get rid of your car, but when I owned a car and I had activities in the city, I would leave my job from the suburbs, drive directly into downtown, which was always full of traffic, park somewhere downtown, do my activity. And then by the time I got home and I was street parking, I had to park like a mile from my house and I'd be doing loops around my neighborhood, cursing wildly in my car alone. Cause I was so mad that I had to deal with this big ton vehicle that had nowhere to be. And uh, it was just, it's just so much better to me to be able to just get on my bike, do the thing and then come back. I can always predict how long it's going to take me to get places because I don't have to worry about traffic or an accident or something popping up. Sometimes there's road closures. We have to deal with that too, but you know, all this stuff, just like for my own mental health, I love just being able to be outside. Totally. And in all weather is, you know, like every, if you bike commute, you know, if you bike somewhere every day, yeah, you're getting exercise every day, just built into your day, mm-hmm. which is, which is awesome. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping to, there's actually like a fitness challenge at work right now for yeah. minutes of activity. And I'm really hoping I win not because I want the prizes. I don't even know what they are. 
but I just really want to make the point of like, oh, this is what happened when you ride a bike for transportation. (laughs) (laughs) Blow everyone else away. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, to wrap up this segment for our big question, how do we get started? Look, I got the, you know, I have a bike in my garage. I want to use it. I, I want to stop using my car so much because it's expensive and it's annoying. And, and I only have to go down the street to my friend's house. What do I do? What's, what's my next move? Well, uh, I would say if you have a bike, <laughs> that's a I, good big question right there. Yeah, great first step. Also take it to a shop, um, whether it's like a formal shop or like um femme mechanics or something like that. Uh yeah, you you should get it checked out. Um, mm-hmm. because uh you want to make sure that it's safe to ride. Yeah. And it's gonna function and be dependable. Um I'm not always the best with my bike maintenance, but like I at least keep it safe, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you want to make percent. You want to make sure your chain's not going to pop off every five seconds. You want to make sure you can change your gears. You can actually get up a hill and not be like, ah, and you know, you want to know. Yeah. And you want to get comfortable with your bike. So start testing it out, riding it around a little place. Like even if it's just around the park, you want to know what it feels like um, and how it responds to things. um, Cause that'll make you more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we touched on this earlier, but my last piece of advice would be start, start small. Uh, maybe it's just that ride down the street to your friend's house. You know, they, they only live a mile or two miles from you. Like maybe that's your first thing that you do. Um, I mean, even, uh, you know, um, a mile can be is, is hard. Cause you could walk it if you wanted to, but if you wanted to get there quickly, you can take your bike and then, um, do that once a week, or maybe you want to start commuting, do it once a week. Don't, don't all or nothing it. Cause it it'll fail. And then you'll get frustrated and you'll just go back to what you did before. So, um, yep. I think that's the, that's the biggest takeaway that I could have. And then also, if you want to make sure that your bike is safe every single time you ride, Amy and I put a video together where she takes you through the ABC quick check and I will make sure to link it in this video so that you can all see it or in this podcast so you can all see it. Um, it'll be in the show notes as well. And, uh, you can do your air brake and chain quick check and you'll have a little Watson sighting in there too. Oh yeah. Yep. Good stuff. And you'll see, Oh, you'll see my, uh, early um winter attire as well mm-hmm. it was a <laughs> chilly chilly day that chilly. day it was not a so I noticed also yeah that's another kind of intricacy that I've had to like weave into what I do like I have to go outside for work sometimes but not on a bike so I have to like make sure I have clothing that is mm-hmm. still warm for standing outside or walking a little bit maybe which is not the same as riding on a bike warm <laughs> that is an excellent point that I also don't think it's talked about enough. I had this problem. I had my bike commute outfit, you know, my winter commute outfit down to T with my base layer, my warm layer, and then my windproof layer. But my windproof layer was just a light jacket. It was just a shell. And then I try to go out for lunch and I'm like, oh my God, it's so cold out here. (laughs) Exactly what happened that day for me. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I am dying. (laughs) Well, Amy, I know it took us several tries to get this, but thank you so much for coming and chatting with me and talking through our big question today on how you can start using your bike 
as you know your main form of transportation or just weaving it into your life in general? Heck yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great. No problem. <laughs> That's a wrap for today's big question. Thank you to Amy Ingalls for chatting with me and going through all of this detail. Um, as always, the theme of music is by the extremely talented Kate Hardley. Don't forget her album, West, now available at katehardley.bandcamp.com. I have listened, and it is incredible. The podcast is hosted, produced, recorded, and edited by me, Laura Jillian, with an honorable mention to Watson the Bike Dog for his contributions throughout the show. For more information about the show and biking, you can visit my website, randonista.com, and follow my adventures in biking, plus more behind the scenes of the pod at randonista on Instagram randonista on youtube and watson's biking adventures at watson the bike dog on instagram and if you like the show please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode and now well it's not really a watson moment but now uh enjoy this fun final moment there's a little watson over here hey buddy his little face Oh, hi, buddy. He's trying to get to my uh, breadsticks. Yeah, no kidding. I would too. Oh my God, they smell so good. Don't mind me for a second. I'm just getting you a couple of them and then we'll keep going. Look at these things. Mm, Where'd you order from? Domino's. (laughs) Nice. It's cheap and it's fast. The contents of this box may blow your mouth's mind. Wow. That's that's deep, Domino's. That's deep. Whoever wrote that, I hope they get a raise.